Hey y'all, this is D-Rock. This is Cam. And this is The, the Heartbeat. Heartbeat. On this week's episode, your boys are doing something a little different. An anthology episode featuring three different interviews they conducted with beloved bartenders from around the West End. First up, it's August and Clarissa from Tissing Euro-American Cafe. The guys chat with them about working through the lockdowns at Tizzy and some of their stories. Let's take a listen. How's it going, guys? Good. Pretty good. <laughs> welcome, August. Welcome, Clarissa. Thank you. Just for, for our listeners' sake, since there are two of you today, if you could go ahead and introduce yourselves in your own voices, just so folks can uh, figure out who they're listening to. Hey, I'm Clarissa. <laughs> I'm August. We bartend at Tissane. Awesome. 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 Thanks. So let's go with your origin stories. I love you guys smile, man. You guys are awesome, man. I love you guys. Origin stories, why Hartford, growing up stories. and I've grown up in Glastonbury my whole life. Mm-hmm. I'm still there, but I've been in the restaurant industry since day one, like literally born into it. Mm. So I've kept in with the family business, but exonated the family and just stayed <laughs> with the business. So it was a weird journey. Um, starting with family and then I decided to go corporate and I worked at Chili's for a while. Mm-hmm. So Chili's was my first really high-end bartending experience I was able to get on. I love your Chili stories. It was definitely a structure difference compared to working with family but I was lucky enough to just get behind a bar and be able to do something like that for the mm-hmm. first time and I started meeting more people in the bartending community which kind of opened my eyes that there was more than just Shots and beers and shitty margaritas. (laughs) Where? So I started doing a cocktail competition. My first one was at Changarosa, Mm -hmm. and it was an iron bartending competition. So I basically looked at all these ingredients that I had never seen before, Mm -hmm. and they gave us 30 seconds to look at everything. So I sat there and tried everything on the table because I had no idea even like what these liqueurs were. That yeah, I was like, what's a pumple moose? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's an iron bar competition? Yeah, I was so going to ask that too. Yeah. They have, I think we have 10 competitors and rather than coming up with a drink beforehand and showcasing it, mm-hmm. it's you get a base. They're like, all right, you're coming to this competition it's tequila and i was like cool i work at chili's i work with tequila <laughs> that's all um, we have and then you like improv to make a drink up mm-hmm. so oh. it's like cooking on the fly but bartending uh, like iron like chef i get yeah. it yeah. okay yeah. chop okay. they give you yeah. all this like random shit and mm-hmm. you were just like eating all of it i ate and drank everything on the table <laughs> <laughs> And I really had no idea what I was doing, but I was like, whatever. So mm-hmm. after 30 seconds, so cool, grab your stuff, go to go back to the table. And I did. I grabbed a whole lot of stuff. And I made this weird drink. I really don't even um, know what it was. But mm-hmm. it was some sort of margarita-esque with a bunch of random juices. But mm-hmm. from there, I was picked up to go to Little River. So that's where, like, I started coming into Hartford after that. Hmm. That's where I first saw you. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that place, I mean, was definitely a journey for me. I felt like I went from preschool to college and bartending, (laughs) like, real quick. But that pretty much, that place built me to be, like, where I am today and had a lot of learning bases of, like, my cocktail knowledge before Mm -hmm. I'm now at Tassane. Okay, cool. August, what Um, is your Peter Parker story? My Peter Parker story. I I grew up mostly in Simsbury, which was... Mm -hmm. No offense to people from Simsbury, but not a place for me. Right. Um, <laughs> it's definitely its own bubble. Mm-hmm. And 
but I, I grew up in a little bit of everywhere because my dad was a bartender mm -hmm. for 30 years and my parents were divorced so I'd stay with him and he'd go bartend at night so I'd stay with I call them like my Brazilian family in Bridgeport and then I had my Filipino family and then I had all these different families that I would stay with mm -hmm. in all these different towns across Connecticut so grew up with a little bit of everything but mm -hmm. um I've been on my own since I was 17, so mm. I've been, a, I was a barista for seven years before at Tassane. Okay. And I remember, I was working at Vans in West Farms Mall, mm. and mm. I was living in my own apartment, and I was literally so broke, I was just eating like peanut butter out of a jar. Mm. And I was like, I need something else. I need to yeah. figure out what to do. And I had heard of Tassane from a bunch of people, and I had been in there like once or twice for dinner, but I went on Indeed, and I saw that they had a posting for a barista position. Oh, nice. So I sent that in, I called that day, I went in, I filled out the 50-page application, because <laughs> that's when it was crazy. It was like the weirdest questions. It was like, what dead person would you want to have dinner with and why? What's the craziest thing you've done with a customer? Do you want to know? What's your zodiac <laughs> sign and what zodiac sign do you hate? And I was like, what does this have to do with working at this bar? I'm just trying to make coffee. And, uh, Alexa scooped me up. And okay. It's just awesome. All right, so I think that's a good segue. Cam and I know Tizane pretty well, but our listeners may not. Clarissa, why don't you explain a little bit about Tizane and what one could expect when they come down? Yeah, so Tizane's evolved over the years, and it keeps evolving. So it used to be much more of a coffee tea shop mm -hmm. when it first opened. And not that I really know, but this is what I've heard through. Tizane's always had the most old school people working there forever, <laughs> and now... It's us. Like I said, it was a lot of coffee and tea. They did have a bar. There was like martinis, but it really wasn't bar focused the way it is now. Mm -hmm. And now it's we've turned it into much more of a nightclub and we have better food than it's ever, I think, ever has. Mm -hmm. More and craft cocktails yeah. centered. Yeah. Much more craft cocktail centered. Yeah, it went from like a 1970s martini bar to like now you can actually expect to have a good old fashioned there. Right, yeah. And we're still holding on to our coffee and tea side of it. So mm -hmm. it's just one of those places that has a little bit of everything for everybody. Like when I describe it to my family, they're like, can you explain where you work? I'm like, it's like a chameleon. It just changes mm -hmm. throughout the day and whoever's in there. It's just a constantly changing community and place. Right. We're just coming out of the lockdown. So how did that look at Tassane? Ugh. And how did it look coming out of that at Tassane? As August scratches his neck like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> having was, flashbacks uh, over here. It was weird. Yeah. I just from the pandemic standpoint, I just remember we before the pandemic hit, we made a group chat mm -hmm. that we were all in that we're still in. But it was <laughs> at the point at the time was to get rid of our old GM. It turned into um, all of us during the pandemic, just keeping connected and talking about our anxieties about everything, mm -hmm. trying to keep up and being like, when are we going to reopen? Will we reopen? Mm -hmm. And I remember having panic attacks and like FaceTiming with Danielle Duncan, who used to work at Tassane and mm -hmm. being like, dude, I don't know what I'm going to do without this job. Mm -hmm. And if we don't come back, I don't know what path I'm going to go on career wise, but um, 
Yeah, it was a question how and when restaurants were going to come back. Yeah, that I just remember us talking about that a lot. Mm -hmm. And then finally it, it reopened and I hadn't been getting any of my stimulus checks mm -hmm. from unemployment or anything. So the first couple months of pandemic, I was mm -hmm. just living off my savings, mm -hmm. which was stressful. But Eric, who was our GM at the time of reopening, was like, hey, you want to come back? You want to reopen? I was like, absolutely. I need the money, whatever. I want to go anyways. I'm going crazy. And it was so bizarre. We ran those like opening windows like facing the patio mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we had the computer set up at it and we like saran wrapped the window and we had a menu of five food items and four drinks and we were only patio and we handed people food through this saran wrap window oh my goodness and it was me eric jamie and bridget four days a week four hour opening shifts and we would rotate and it was bizarre wearing wow. gloves wearing masks staying away from people, oh. not being open seven days a week, not letting people inside. And not for a long, very long time either when you were open. No. It was like you, you were open. I remember like five o'clock or something like that, four o'clock and then you closed, I got nine. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I came back around like June, July time and that was still weird. It was like you had to enter through one door and exit through another door. Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. had little arrow stickers on the floor. Mm -hmm and we didn't have any seats at the bar and then eventually we brought back the bar and we had those stupid i remember yeah, plexiglass even when things. i came back we didn't i was a bartender without any guests for a while which was yeah. super weird for me and mm -hmm. that was almost like demoralizing like i'm going oh, into work and like i'm missing the whole aspect that i love and it's i have no people in front of me like i'm literally mm -hmm. a machine just making drinks and it's like you had no communication you mm -hmm. had nothing you just had like it, me and jamie were there and one kitchen yep. guy Yep. And she would just bring things out and I'd just be sadly mm. sitting behind a bar. <laughs> and it was a really big shock for me too because that's when I started serving and bartending. Because mm -hmm. I was just a bar back barista before the pandemic and Eric brought me back and he's like, all right, you have to be prepared to start serving because that's what you're going to be doing. I was mm. like, okay. Mm -hmm. So I was thrown into that. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I just started going behind the bar with Jamie and Eric when they were working. And I was like, show me how to make this drink. Show mm -hmm. me how to do this. And they're mm -hmm. like, okay. And then eventually we reopened and he's like, all right, you have bartending shifts. I was like, oh. Nice. Nice. That's okay. awesome. I mean, how that about you, it. Clarissa? How was that whole lockdown thing? I heard you said you, uh, you came back. Yeah. Yeah. I came back a little bit after August. August mm -hmm. definitely got there like right in the... It was still like towards the beginning of it. Yeah. It was like May. It was still all in 2020, but it was just, it was weird, man. Mm -hmm. And then even watching it slowly come back to life, and we're still watching Tassane slowly come back to life. There's nights where I'm like, oh, wow, this feels like old Tassane. Mm -hmm. And we have a bunch of bodies in there. But when it first started happening and we were like sectioning people off and we had all the plexiglass up and mm -hmm. just, it was just, it was weird man it was weird it, you felt like you didn't want to get too close to people but like you still wanted to be that like really fun bartender yeah. and then like when we got the chance to do it again we're like is this okay like, <laughs> having like private parties that were limited to 20 people and under hmm. when we first started doing tuesdays again like we'd have to give people wristbands mm. to have a certain amount of people. Do you remember that? That was, yeah, our first, we brought back like our first boys night and we were like, that's something that we really wanted to like bring back. That was mm -hmm. like one of our, it's what we're known for. 
best nights and people would come from all over for right. our yeah. Tuesdays and mm -hmm. even we lost a really big staple Danny of course Danny we can't have this whole podcast without mentioning Danny because right. everybody right. will never stop talking about this mm -hmm. but we lost a lot of old school people at Tassane and Tassane was like built on people that have been there for 10, 11 years. Mm -hmm. Now, like I said, we're constantly evolving. Now they're seeing us and they're seeing a lot of new faces. And now we still have some of those old school regular guests that like had to get used to us and not see the old faces. And mm -hmm. we're still trying to keep like a piece of what it was, but also like evolve it into something evolve it into something like i don't want to say better or new but more us mm. different yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. also just to evolve to survive the climate of what's happening now there's certain things that work now that wouldn't have worked before covid and vice versa it's just a changing industry and there's right. not much you can do about that but like sink or swim and we chose to fight what was what's different what's more different now than the fact that we have half of the amount of staff and we're pulling almost the same numbers okay. that we we're doing pre-COVID. Sometimes mm -hmm. more. Mm. Wow. And we have doubled the amount of patio space now since we got our patio renovated. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot more tables, half the staff, oh, okay. same yeah. shifts, same hours. And it's saying. people doing instead of before everyone would do the amount of work of four people. And now it's everybody's doing the amount of seven people. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, I know we had uh, asked this question a couple of times to other bartenders and other restaurant workers, if you will. What can we, the patrons, do? I'm hearing, I, I want to say it for you, but I don't want to speak for you. But what can we do to help your job become easier, in quotes? Become easier. Just appreciate us. Show us a little love. Yeah. It's, yeah, the patience is a big thing. It's really, I wouldn't say... And it's not gonna make it easier or harder. Just be nice to us. Yeah. We're doing mm -hmm. our best. Like we're still here, like mm -hmm. trying our hardest. Mm -hmm. I feel like everybody has to work in the service industry at least like mm -hmm. for a year oh. of their life. Right? It's like <laughs> you want everything to be easier, get a restaurant job right. as your first job and yeah. then they will definitely tip better. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. I could not agree more. So August, not to transition too uh, abruptly here, but we know that you're also a tattoo artist and would love to hear a little bit about the background of that and how you got into that and all of that, if you don't mind. So I'm still like in the baby steps of apprenticing because it's a tattoo artistry and like the whole industry of that is so weird. It's almost like a trade like plumbing or electricians or something like that. You don't go to a college for a degree. You have to find somebody willing to mentor you, take the time, and you do the hours of the apprenticeship. Mm. There's legal certifications through the state now, but it's a really weird process, and it's just about connections and knowing mm -hmm. the right people. Mm. So luckily, through Tassane, I found the right person who would mentor me. I met a lot of other tattoo artists through Tassane and mm -hmm. through people that I've met. So I have a lot of connections. Artists that I know I have shops that I know are good mm -hmm. and reputable and it's gonna take me probably another year and a half mm -hmm. to fully get certified and do what I need to do but I honestly thanks to saying like that I'm doing that mm -hmm. it's something mm -hmm. I've always wanted to do I've always been an artist mm -hmm. I've always liked making art for people I remember growing up in high school and people were like oh you should be a tattoo artist and I was like oh no like I couldn't put my art on somebody's body forever. That's a lot of pressure mm -hmm. and I wasn't ready for that. But during the pandemic, I discovered through like making these custom jackets that I make for people mm -hmm. that 
people were willing to spend money on it. People were willing to have me commission them something. People were happy with what I was giving them. And that made me happy because mm-hmm. I was spending my free time doing something I loved and giving someone something that they also loved and would mm-hmm. have forever. And that's when it clicked for me that I was like, okay, I think I really could do this. I think people would appreciate it. I think I can get over that fear of not being good enough Mm. and take that step forward to do it. So I'm still in the beginning stages, but I'm excited to see where that takes me. That's awesome. Yeah. So artist for a long period of time, high school days. Forever. Uh, My mom was a fashion designer, so Mm -hmm. I grew up like with her drawing with her mm-hmm. she'd draw like outlines of clothing and she'd just give me a copy and be like color this in and i'm like okay oh, nice. and i'd color it in and show it to her and she's like, that's actually great i'll send this to my people and stuff like that that's i always so cool. grew up in an artist environment yeah with nice. Her. Nice. so your inspirations would be if anybody or everything i remember talking off air one time you said your inspirations come out of music yes sometimes a lyric Yes. Okay. How does that creative process work? In terms of music, like I'm not musically talented, but mm-hmm. I appreciate music. Mm-hmm. I listen to any and all genre as long as I can understand what the person's saying. Mm-hmm. If I can't hear the lyrics, I'm like, yeah, that's fine, but it doesn't hit the same way. Just because I'm an emotional person, I just resonate with lyrics more. Mm-hmm. That's why I listen to a lot of the same music I listened to in high school and middle school. Mm-hmm. Pop punk bands, emo yeah. bands, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Right up his alley. Yeah, that's my jam. I love it. And it's just timeless music, and everybody loves it, and it's just deep. And there's just certain lyrics that I hear, and I'm like, oh, I just get an image in my head of how I could make that lyric into an image. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my tattoos I have on me are tattoos I have designed for a lyric. Mm Mm-hmm. Just so I, I'm not covered in words, because yeah. I don't think that looks good. So Awesome. That's just usually how my creative process goes. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, I know Clarissa has some creative things in her cocktail competitions, and how many have you done? Yeah, I've done a couple. Yeah. <laughs> I've done a couple. 9,000? No, I wouldn't go that far. Mm-hmm. I've done quite a My second competition was a gin competition. Mm-hmm. And I never really played with gin before I went into these competitions. I really didn't have any appreciation for it. And I threw something together. I never won any competitions. I'm not that cool. Mm-hmm. But I've gotten second place twice. Yeah. And... One of them was my second competition that I did with the gin, and then my other one was on 20. Mm -hmm. And I did my pina colada, which people still rave about, and it's going on the menu soon. Boom. Super excited about. Mm -hmm. But I found a lot of um, (laughs) my creativity from people literally giving me like a one ingredient idea. And even when me and August will work on stuff or somebody at the bar will like, Jay told me one time, he's like, it would be really cool if somebody made like a garlic garnish. And I made it like my whole like job for the next like week or two. And I was like, yeah. I have to figure out like how to make a garlic ga- garnish. Like, if anybody's going to do it, it's me. Mm-hmm. And it but, was like the best martini. Huh. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a really savory huh. martini. It's like something that I have never really seen going mm-hmm. out and going to cocktail bars. Like, I, I went out that. to like New York City and went to Maury Margo and like Death and Co. And mm-hmm. I've gone to a couple places out in Philly. But I've tried a bunch of like cocktails from like really cool bars and mm. 
it's always just built me to keep like moving forward and keep growing like mm-hmm. cocktails are constantly evolving right yeah so it's always like on to the next and trying something new mm-hmm. and like alexa when i worked with her she's you got to make a drink that's cool but don't do it more than three times if it's not working within three times move on there's always huh. something else. You've told me that. So <laughs> I've always kept that with me. Like as much as I want to make like one drink, and I think it's going to be really cool. If I try it three different ways and it still sucks, it's like trying to polish a turd. But <laughs> even when I would sit at Little River for hours on end before people would come in, because it was definitely more of that late night industry spot when I worked there, I would just sit there and Chris had a variety of books I would just indulge in constantly. Mm-hmm. and. I just started writing them down in my notebook and he was one of the people that was like any drink that you want to make has probably already been made Mm -hmm. so take a classic drink and twist one thing in it Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden you'll have something quote-unquote new so I've also kept that in my back pocket so I would look at all these drinks and it's okay like we want to do like a classic Mai Tai for our next drink on the menu and I was Mm -hmm. like why don't we like infuse it with like mangoes or something give it an extra spunk so it's Mm. always like taking something that's been done but Mm. also just twisting a little bit and giving it a little extra flavor for Mm. folks at home that means she knows her flavors yeah (laughs) she knows what mixes she's got a good palate and she's got a flavor bible i've got a good team behind me too i have a lot of people that appreciate it so that's cool i'm in a place that like people actually appreciate cocktails so that's also fun yeah Mm. That's and I'm not even one to go out and drink cocktails. I'm a shot and beer kind of girl. Don't even want to don't even want to think about what I'm drinking. Just drink. Yeah. So speaking of new and exciting things, what can we expect in the coming months at Tizane? Is there anything new coming up? Is there anything exciting that you're looking forward to? Yeah, guys. Pride Month's right around the corner. Yeah. How much we love June. <laughs> <laughs> It's three things a day in June, all month long, every week, all the time. So we're definitely amping up for that. We've been talking to Victor about certain themed Tuesdays Mm -hmm. every single Tuesday. So it's not just the regular stuff. I don't want to say too much. Uh, I know at the end of August, we're having a hoedown party. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. Wait. Oh, yeah. So what? <laughs> that seems really so uncharacteristic. We uh, birthday parties into really big theme nights now. Mm-hmm. It's like become our thing where some of our friends will come up to us and be like, yes, I want to do my birthday party at Tissane. And it's mm-hmm. exciting because more and more people are like, wow, okay. They go out of their way to decorate the place and like actually throw a whole theme into it. Right. So, yeah, like that's we had awesome. a Euphoria birthday party like last month that was crazy fun. You said Euphoria? <laughs> Euphoria, oh, like the, the show, like yeah. the HBO yeah. show, and I ended up puking in the, <laughs> the lounge at twelve thirty. So you had a great time. Oh, I'm never like that. So. Oh my god! All right, you hear that, folks? If you want to throw an epic birthday party, give to Zane a call. They will go all out. We got a great team of DJs, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of people with great ideas. And it's just I feel like Tizane's just turned into Halloween all year long. Any uh. any excuse to wear a costume or for Clarissa to talk to cops in a giraffe onesie, like, you know. We're here for it. Yeah, we're here for it. All right. So we like to end every episode with the same three questions. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Question number one. What is your favorite thing about Hartford? The people. No, same. For sure. It's a really great, diverse area. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why I moved here. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's we hear that all the time. All the time. And we, we love though. that we hear it all the time. Yeah. Especially, I can't speak for a lot of Hartford, but definitely the West End. Mm -hmm. We have like so many different faces that walk in that door all the time. Yeah, mm -hmm. you want to talk about a hidden gem, West End's like... Yeah. yeah. The gem. When we went to New York for Pride last summer, we met a whole bunch of people and we were just plugging to saying in the West End, we're like, it's the coolest spot in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been to Connecticut? They're like, yeah, I've been to like Fairfield. I'm fucking Fairfield. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the West End. It's the coolest spot. Nice. Since we're on it, hidden gems in Hartford. <clears throat> Monte Alban. Mm -hmm. Tangiers. Located on Farmington Avenue, both of them. Yep. yep. Capital Ice Cream. Oh, I don't know Capital Ice Cream. That's one. Um, it's next to Story and Soil. Oh, it's on okay. Capital. Yeah. It's good ice cream. Mm. Shout out to our skater boy, Jared, but I would say. Heaven Skate Park. The skate park has yeah. a lot of really cool art. Every time I've walked by it, I've never actually been inside it, but like even driving by or walking by, they have a lot of really cool artists that have like decorated that place with graffiti. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like. Visually wise, I think that place is pretty cool. Yeah. And also, like, I used to walk over the bridge where Riverfront is from, like, I would park in East Hartford and mm -hmm. walk the bridge. Mm. I love the Riverfront. That's I honestly, right. like, I love really loved, like, well. being on the East Hartford side and, like, looking into Hartford and, like, mm -hmm. watching the sunset. Like, I used to do that, like, almost every night. That was, like, my spot that I would hang out with people yeah. and just look over Hartford and walk the bridge. And I know exactly where you're talking yeah. about. It's, like, a really cool area that you don't even see, like, a lot of people, like, going out there and appreciating it the way I think it should be appreciated. That's a really cool spot. I, I used to sit under the bridge and look through, like, the underpass. Mm -hmm. and, like, they have these really cool arches and it's like if you want to take some really cool pictures that was like really cool spot for me that i always enjoyed there's mm. also a really old like train bridge going over the connecticut river so if you're mm -hmm. in, that's still on the east hartford side too on the east hartford side but you have to get to it through a residential area you have to park your car sketchy like on the side of the road huh. and you take this walk through a little bit of woods and it's this rusty old bridge covered mm -hmm. in like graffiti and it's over the river and I've, by the way it's not abandoned it's not abandoned no it's not i was on the bridge and a train came <laughs> wait what what <laughs> what let's not do that again <laughs> I, so there's like a fence and we were all like hanging out and i was like smoking a cigarette and one of my friends peers over and goes hey guys there's a train and i look behind me and i was like holy shit guys there's a train <laughs> Oh God, what and movie I swear, is that? She was moving like a thousand miles an hour. Oh and it, like, man. jumped into these bushes and I was like, That's I thought like... you told me this was a band. <laughs> Isn't there a scene like that in that movie Stand By Me or something? Yeah. Where they're all running. Yep. That's, the, oh, that's a great Michael God. Bay film right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool, but it's not abandoned. It's not. Don't listen to what everybody I've says. I've had a full, like, celebration of life for a friend that died on that bridge, and we were mm. all standing there in suits with putting flowers on the bridge and mm -hmm. stuff, and we never saw a train. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine if a train came and we're all, like, talking about this Jumping weird... in the river and shit? <laughs> <laughs> that's a big drop. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think you want to jump into the river. Wow. Rather that than get hit by a goddamn train. <laughs> All right. Last and certainly not least, if you could change one thing and one thing only about Hartford, what would it be? I have to pick and choose. Yeah. I would say affordable 
housing. That's not shit. <laughs> Affordable housing because we have a lot of homeless that deserve a place to live. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of, I see a lot of young kids that just like also don't have places to live. Mm -hmm. I see people on Instagram all the time asking for cheap rooms somewhere. A lot of queer kids looking for places to live. Mm -hmm. And this isn't just a Hartford problem, but keep it to that. I just, I think we need to stop focusing on gentrification and mm -hmm. just more just accessibility. Mm -hmm. I nope. mean, really even it. if you're going to like pretty it up, you don't have to like make it a $2,000 apartment. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like who has 2000 bucks city. for a loft? We yeah. like, have appreciation for our city and like where we love to go and not stab us in the heart while doing it. Dude. Right. Because mm -hmm. like even like Capital F, like that was like a weird turnover. Like when mm -hmm. that big apartment building yeah. came up and like, I remember everybody would just like park on the side of the road and now you have to pay to park. Come on, dude. Is mm. there parking in Hartford and West Hartford in general is so expensive. I go up to Northampton and it's 50 cents for over 24 hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you park in West Hartford for an hour and it's three bucks. Yeah. I'm like, come on, dude. Parking in general is an issue that like. Is that what you change? If you look at everybody that like tries to like tow, we're like even us at the same. We're like, yeah, like you can park at wash tub after a certain amount of hours. Tangiers used to nag us about people parking oh, they there. To they tow have constantly. like they have a huge parking lot. Hey. If you want people to come to this area and appreciate this area, they gotta put park. their car somewhere. Right. <laughs> like, right. Like we're never gonna be able to keep moving forward in the West End. Like the food truck park, I'm really excited for. Yeah. We're planning yeah. on hopefully working side by side and having a great little community over there. But, but on we the used other to end, park, yeah. We used to park over there. That right. was like our overflow Half parking. Door. That was yep. the first thing I thought of when I saw that uh, in the newspaper. I was like, wow, this is really exciting. But where's everybody gonna park? Yeah, but that's like a serious question. Like, where is everybody gonna park? Right. The same fills up half the street. Half yeah. everyone, fills up the yeah. other like yeah. half of the street. Mm -hmm. Not everyone wants to park on the street. People feel safer with the parking lot. Yeah. So. Heard. All right. So this is a great episode, guys. Thank you so yeah. much for coming on. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So guys, go ahead and plug yourselves. Where can we find you? To same. Yeah, you'll find us at to We have a great staff. Got great people. You always find, you know, somebody to talk to at the bar. So thank even you just, to our customers. Thank you to great staff. Even just people watching. And 537 Farmington Avenue to St. Euroasian Cafe. As James Dean likes to St. Euroasian Bistro Cafe. That is not the name. But uh, <laughs> you can find us there and hopefully some other places down the line. But. Social media is where can you find you on social media? If you uh, want to be found. On uh, Instagram, I am lavender underscore wings. And you can hit me up for jacket commissions. Just hit me up in general or eventually tattoo stuff. For everybody that doesn't know me, I go by the lesbian. I am underscore the underscore lesbian <laughs> underscore on Instagram. Also follow us on my to saying on instagram too you'll find every single one being promoted on our instagram and our weekly monthly events that are always happening on there too specials staff highlight posts all that stuff all right next up it's jason the boys chat with him about his family brewing business and much more let's jump right in how you doing man I'm not too bad how you boys doing i'm doing good doing good doing real well thank you for joining us this week no problem thanks yeah. for having me let's jump right into it jason's a uh 
as a spigot bartender as well as other places. Yes, sir. Uh, was it illicit? Illicit Brewing over in Manchester. Nice, nice. Yeah. So what's your origin story? What's your relationship with Hartford, um, the area? Born in Hartford. My parents got divorced when I was seven, so I moved down to uh, outside of Atlanta with my mother, but I came back up here after college. My family, my great-grandfather started an ice company in East Hartford in 1911, and uh, so I came back up, worked for my dad. We, He and I actually started a microbrewery, Old Burnside Brewing. We made 10-penny ale. In 2000, and I was with them till about 2015, and, and left and went to pursue uh, bartending and mm-hmm. just find a little saner lifestyle. Not saner, less stressful lifestyle for yeah. myself. Yeah, you, we're not going to gloss over that. <laughs> Go back to that brewing company thingamajig yeah. that you're talking about. Yeah, so we were, I think, license number like four or five in the state. There wasn't, there was nothing. I, really? I think now there's 170 plus breweries. In the state of Connecticut, and but back then nobody it was Budweiser, Bud Light, Coors, yeah. and so we started a microbrewery using the water that we actually made our ice with. Bro, we have four questions, <laughs> like generic questions. We didn't know that part. Oh yeah. So all right, mm-hmm. D Rock, okay. let's scratch those questions. <laughs> Do you know the process that, oh, yeah. that it took? I, I can brew. <laughs> Golden, what's the process? Oh, it's basically cooking. You're following a recipe. Okay. Um, but what you do is you, we actually had our own well on the, the property of the ice company that we used to make the water. It was really, it had a really nice mineral content. Okay. Pretty hard water. Very similar to the water in Edinburgh, Scotland. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Family history, Scottish. Have a kilt. Play the bagpipe. Really? Yeah. I don't play the bagpipe. I can play the no, bagpipe. I just, want, I just want to see you in the, in the kilt. And uh, so it made really good ales. Couldn't make a lager with that beer if you tried. Uh, mm-hmm. Unless you threw a bunch of softeners in there. So basically when you're making beer, you're taking the grain, you're milling it out to expose all the, the proteins, mm-hmm. and you're heating it up to convert the starches to sugars. Okay. And then you boil it, you add your hops, and then you throw yeast on it, and the yeast eats all the sugars, creates carbon dioxide and alcohol, then you have there you beer. Go. There you go. Okay, so how did you guys decide that you were going to do this? You were making ice. When- I, was in a, I was always into like, craft beer like i was like one of the first people to like get it if you ever saw my original untapped profile it's really sad (laughs) (laughs) how many unique beers i've had and we just decided there was a market there that could be filled and we originally draft only i think for the first four or five years we were in business and then we started doing growlers but we'd fill them and sell them to like package stores you'd go to the package store buy growler 10 penny we put a huge music fest on in hartford every year pipes in the valley a river for every capture. We get about 20,000 people downtown last Saturday in September every year. Wow, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, right on the river. Every bagpipe bands, freaking mm. flying bands in from all over the world. Yeah, so it was a good time. All right, so this is the fourth, you said the fourth patent or fourth license? Fourth brewing license in the state of Connecticut. In the state of Connecticut. I think the only other breweries that were older than Tenpenny were the old New England Brewing, mm-hmm. not the new one, Hammer and Nail. Which is defunct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Farmington River, which is defunct. Mm-hmm. And I think City Steam. Wow. Yeah. Definitely City Steam. Yeah. City Steam was late 80s, I think. Yeah. I remember there was a brewery under the gold building called Hartford Brewing. Yes. It was like yeah. a cool, yes. like English pub vibe mm-hmm. kind of thing. And that's when I first started getting into craft beer, was those guys, because it okay. was just a cool place to hang out. And I became friends with those two dudes. All right. And, you know, so, what made you decide to actually. Get that moving. We're, it was just a, we saw a market could be filled. And it was a you, your father. Me and my father were just like, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bought a brewery out of uh, Sheridan, Wyoming. Um, okay. 
showed up four flatbeds full of brewing equipment in the middle of February. Uh It was like freaking 12 degrees outside trying to unload these trucks. Interesting. Yeah, put it all together. We had a brewer that we knew through a friend, and he brewed, and I was helping him out. Right. So you had to get a distributor? Yeah, we had a distributor, Franklin Distributors, who no longer exists. Mm -hmm. They merged with HDI. Okay. Um, So, yeah, it was... uh, it was an adventure. Oh, it was, that's it was awesome. a good. It was a good run, mm-hmm. uh, for familial sake. My father and I decided <laughs> to part ways, and now we're much better place. <laughs> so you said you went to uh, Atlanta. Yep. Uh, little town. You were outside seven of years old. Yeah. Little yeah. town outside. Was it Decatur? Right. Norcross. Norcross. Okay. Familiar with that area. My yeah. uh, my family is down there right now. So you went down there, and before you went. To Atlanta or Georgia, Norcross, yep. Georgia. How was Hartford? I was seven. Atlanta. I remember going to like the G Fox building at Christmas time, mm-hmm. and they had that Christmas thing upstairs. And then you go through the little door, and the, the little shop you could buy like your parents' presents. Mm-hmm. Your parents give you five bucks, and you come up with presents all in the bag <laughs> and hidden and stuff. And people went downtown, and it was a, a place. But West Hartford didn't exist. Like I had an aunt who lived in West Hartford, and we'd go to her house and just hang out at her house because the center mm-hmm. wasn't the center. I think right. There was mm-hmm. nothing. There was a German restaurant. I think it was mm-hmm. pretty much the only thing there. The Idol place. Yeah, and the shoe place, the sneaker place. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. And then even when I came back in 1991, Hartford was popping. Mm-hmm. Right. You had Pig's Eye wasn't open yet, but North Shore was there. Mm-hmm. The Pacific Pub. Yeah. Russian Lady. Mm-hmm. You know, Chuck Seller. Everything. You know, Dagney's, which is like a school now, but that was like reggae Thursdays there. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. So was that all? Or was that? So Dagney's is on Arch. Street? Arch Street. Arch and. Whatever the street is on the back side of the Wadsworth. Okay, I know what you're okay. talking about. Yeah, yeah. That, it was on okay. that corner, uh-huh. and it's like a, it's like a building. It's they put a building up there. I think it might be part of Yukon. Yeah, but that was like that was Thursday. You could find live music every night mm. in Hartford. Mm. Russian Lady had bands. Arch Street, North Shore had DJs. Civic Pub had band. Dagney's had band. Yeah, and like, so the, the the you say the year of probably the the year of demarcation was when like 2000. The, the sad thing is, it's almost when the Whalers left. Huh? It's it's, and I I heard somebody talking about this. It might have been Malcolm Gladwell, and he was talking. He, he for some odd reason he enjoys Hartford, and he said, "Interesting, Hartford lost its identity because they had a major league sports team, and whatever that means in you know economic terms, who knows." Mm-hmm. But they had a major league sports team when that team left. It's like they lost the identity. It definitely lost a giant draw for pulling people downtown. You know, yeah, it was forty nights a week or a year, but at the end of the day, that's ten thousand people showing up. Yeah, in the winter. And it was enough to keep the Etzel Center open so that they could do other things there right. too on the other yeah. nights of the year. Yeah, I yeah. remember when Michael Jackson came to Hartford. Remember that? Yeah, eighty-seven. I think it was something, something crazy like that. Yeah. I don't. You don't hear big names like that. I don't think. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I don't know. I saw Springsteen at the... Yeah, I mean, I've seen Springsteen a couple times at the yeah. Civic Center. The casinos don't help because the casinos drag. They'd rather go play at the casino yeah. and get mm-hmm. treated like a VIP than Hartford. Mm-hmm. But the Hartford Arena is still bigger. They got Toto coming. I saw that. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> so, uh... so you've been serving and bartending around the area for about... Six years. Six, after. seven years, yeah. I left, uh, yeah, like 2015. But I, you've been in the industry. Yeah, basically I just transferred from supplier side of the industry to, to the on-premise side. And 
It's, uh, I worked in a restaurant in, in West Hartford Center, Zahara, and then worked my way up. I opened up uh, Perona and Pina in Hartford in the mm-hmm. Hotel. I worked you know, Spigot, obviously. Alyssa Brewing. Right. Yeah, a couple other spots popping around. Alyssa's just, I mean, just an animal. It's, you know, it's a nightclub. When did that start? When uh, they November opened? 2019, so right before COVID. Yeah, they, but the place was just crazy. I believe that's Adams Street, right, Manchester? Yeah, the old Adams Mill. Okay. Yeah, All yeah right. they did a great job with a beautiful building, have a brewery right there. It's like a beer hall downstairs, and upstairs during the week is a cocktail bar. Right. And on weekends, it turns into a nightclub. All right, so you must have networked well anyways, being working in the brewery, yeah. people already in the industry, the yeah. restaurant business, yeah. and then you could tell what's good beer, what's bad beer. Yeah, uh, yeah there's, a lot of, there's a lot of beer out there. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking that it has to be like a, there wasn't too, too much of a culture shock. You coming from brewery life yeah, no. to. No, it's, it's still, it's people mm-hmm. are people. Whether you're dealing with them at a beer fest or you're putting them a beer across the, across the bar, people are people. Mm-hmm. And you just got to listen to their stories and you know how it is. The day crowd, the day crowd at Lake Spichois. <laughs> Spijo. I, I, I know exactly what they want when they walk through that door and yeah. it's sitting there as they walk in and. We have to listen to Howie's crazy stories. Oh, and- oh yeah. God bless him. Yeah. That's definitely a very different experience, though, from being on the other side of it. Yes, you're still interacting with people, but now you're interacting with them on a much more like personal level. Oh, yeah. Dealing I mean, with their drunken bullshit. Drunken bullshit. You've never been to a beer fest, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and guess what? I ain't getting paid to be at the beer fest. <laughs> Fair, but I don't know. I'm not complaining to the the guy serving me beer at the beer fest about my life the way that I might if yeah. I was at you a bar. You know what, bar. though? You, you, you take it all with a grain of salt. and You, you, you want to make sure no one's going to go do anything bad to themselves. I think half the time they go, they come into the bar to vent. They just want to talk and either the wife's not listening to them or they got nobody to talk to. Mm-hmm. And you never know. You meet really interesting people. I was at a airport bar in Atlanta. Yeah. If you ever mm-hmm. have a layover in Atlanta, it's one flew south. Okay. Terminal E. Mm-hmm. And this woman, she's bartending, and all these people are on their phones and stuff. And she takes their phones and puts them down. And she goes, "You're in an airport bar. You never know who you're going to meet. You just you talk to people. Smart. Yeah. yeah. You talk to people, and you just it's." Social interaction. We all need it. I think this oh. working from home stuff is going to drive everybody nuts eventually. <laughs> it's been driving everybody nuts. So how would you compare bartending back then to bar- bartending now? What? How has the experience changed? How have the clientele changed? Like- so my, and it's funny, so like talking to people, I hear I'm part of all these bartending groups and telling all these horror stories of restaurant guests mm-hmm. that are just being awful yes. to people, to their servers and, yeah. and stuff like that. I'm not experiencing that. You well, know. It, it, it helps that you're about six five. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I just, you, know, you, you, you know, it's give everybody a break, bro. We're mm. all struggling, and I ran a uh, guy who is the manager of a Vare was down, came in last night downstairs, and mm. I was like, "How was it?" And he goes, "I put tables out, and people are screaming at each other over the tables because they had tables outside." But yesterday was so nice. Yeah, he had tables outside, and people are like fighting over them. Wow, really? Yeah, and he's like, he's, "Relax." West Hartford's very entitled. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> it's very entitled. And it's, I know this person. I know that person. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, the joke, I've never worked for the Max Group, but the joke is always, they have t-shirts printed up that say, we know Richie too. It's just, it's just this culture yeah. in West Hartford mm-hmm. that's like that. I don't, Hartford doesn't have that. The spigots on the, the, the West End, two, two and 20 feet from the line. But Man. 
We have our characters sometimes. Yeah, but my buddy owns the Pig's Eye in Hartford, and he's owned it since the day it opened. And the Pig's Eye is the Pig's Eye. Yeah. If we go in there, play some pool, with some tunes, they got darts, cheap beers. Okay, for yeah. those that don't, that don't know, can you just explain the atmosphere within the spigot? Yeah. We don't have a pool, though. No, we got darts. Never threat people. No, we don't threat people. <laughs> but just... Yeah, only Johnny threatens people. <laughs> Describe the atmosphere in the spigot, if you can. It's a neighborhood bar. Mm-hmm. You've yeah. got to know... If you don't know anybody, when you walk in, by the time you leave, mm-hmm. you will know somebody. Either you will talk to somebody or most likely they will probably talk to you because yeah. they're like, we don't recognize you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But not in an intimidating way, just in a chill <laughs> way. Exactly. All right, man. So thank you so much for coming. Oh, we got three questions, bro. Yeah, we got three right, final questions go. for you. All right. So first, what is your favorite thing about Hartford? It's, I always, I get, especially when I was working in the hotel, I get asked this all the time. Why do you live here? Mm-hmm. I was like, you're an hour from the mountains, you're 40 minutes from the beach, you're an hour and a half from Boston, you're an hour and a half from New York City. Mm-hmm. Where else can you say that? You can be in California and be like, oh, but we got the mountains and the beach. But you ain't got New York City. You ain't got Boston. Right. When it's just, it's a really good location. You know, yeah. they got good schools. My kids, my daughter's still in Avon High School out in Avon. Mm-hmm. It's just a nice area to raise a family. People come back. You mm-hmm. know, my old boss at Brona Pina, Tyler, he's from fucking Chicago, dude. Mm-hmm. And he moved here to raise a family. Wow. wow. He moved here to open a restaurant, a couple of, a bunch of restaurants, and raise a family. He's, he's lived in L.A. He's a California boy, you know, and he's just, nope, he's, he just loves it here. He just loves it. It's chill. Because you can't. You can drive to, you know, middle of nowhere, but you're still five minutes from right. something. No. You know, you Berkshire's see, up there. There's green space. You know, Keeney, you know, Park is beautiful. Right. Elizabeth yeah. Park. Gordon. Walk right through Elizabeth Park on a, when those roses are blooming, man, and you think you're someplace mm. else. Mm. And I'll do it. Hidden gems in yeah. Africa. Let's see here. Obviously, the spigot. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be hidden anymore. The crazy things like Monte Alban, like the little yes. ethnic food yep. places we've got. Mm-hmm. Dunn's River yes. up in the North End for mm. Jamaican. Oh, ooh. You've got crazy good little hidden restaurants mm-hmm. but go to them find them yeah. seek them find out because they've got their people from those countries making that food I mean, mm-hmm. dunn's river is delicious if, if you were mayor for the day and you could change one thing about the city of hartford what would it be I'd take the yard goat stadium and put it by the convention center i think hartford is trying to force gentrification and they mm. always have mm-hmm. and if something doesn't work they just moved to the next spot. You had, originally it was the XL Center. Mm-hmm. Back then it was Civic Center. Right. Oh, that's not working. Okay, let's try to do something at Union Street. Oh, wait, that's not working. Here, mm-hmm. let's build the Constitution Plaza. Oh, wait, that's not working. And you've got this area, Front Street there and in the commit. I Honestly, I would probably try to reconnect the city to the river. Yes. I think it's missing mm-hmm. I've heard that, a couple times. that whole thing. I've heard that a couple of times. But if you put the baseball stadium, I get why they did it where they did it. Mm-hmm. Put the baseball stadium over by the convention center. You're going to draw more conventions. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. oh, okay, cool. We can buy 5,000 tickets to go to a game for all these people at this convention. Mm-hmm. You've got a hotel. You've got a bar district. Everything's right the there. I love going to the Goats games, and we'll walk out, and we'll go over to City Steam. They'll walk down to Vaughn's. Mm-hmm. Another hidden gem, Vaughn's. And then we'll... Shout know, out to John. Yeah, yeah. We'll shoot there, and then hop in an Uber and, and, and come back over here. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people are going to the Yard Goats games, just go. Get in their car and go right back out mm-hmm. to whatever mm-hmm. town they came from. Yeah. And it's hopefully with the development around the stadium, it does 
drive some people to hang out a little more. But it's I, that's the one thing I would do is move it over there, and it's right on the river. Awesome! I love that idea. Yeah. Well, thank you again, man. No, man. Thank you, guys. <laughs> thank you, Jason. That was awesome. All right, bro. And finally, it's Eric from The Half Door. The guys chat with him about his life story and working in the West End. What are we waiting for? Let's get right to it. Welcome, 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 Eric. Thanks for joining us today. I'm glad to be here. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, yeah, you're telling me. I'm glad to have you on, man. Let's talk about your origin story, bro. Oh, man. What's your Batman story? Oh, man, I don't know. It's a long story. Um, I grew up in Southern California. I was homeless for a spat when I was 18. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nine different schools. We'll start this off. We'll get, we gotta run through it quickly because it's long. Okay. Sorry. Um, when I was a kid, I grew up uh, with divorced parents with nine different schools. My mom, my stepmom was a Green Party. My dad was Democrat. My mom was Republican. My stepdad was a military man. So I kind of got a full raisin, full sides of all that stuff. And then I wasn't the best kid, as you can tell, by going to nine different schools. I okay. picked out a one or two for fighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple other things. Just wasn't taking that shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That kind of shit. Um, and then, and then I, when I was heading into 18, me and my stepdad started getting fist fights. Um, he passed away a while back. Me and him got along after, but we got into a couple spats. He would say things. He would say things like, "We should nuke the whole Middle East." And we've been growing up on both sides during Desert Storm. We've been raised on both sides. I didn't really take a liking that, and I didn't like my mom agreeing with it. Mm-hmm. We got in a couple fights, and me being a young kid, not being able to walk away, I didn't walk away very easy. He was a six foot four military man. It never really ended well for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, when my 18th birthday came, I left. Okay. And in the middle of my senior year, and I was homeless for a good nine months to a year, um, selling weed and mushrooms for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, Making it happen. Yeah, I had a really bad, nasty mushroom trip that really made me spark into, holy shit, what am I doing with myself here? Mm. Uh-huh. And then I went on, uh, got out of being homeless and joined the California Conservation Corps and built trails in the Redwoods for a solid year. Finished up my diploma, uh, went, <coughs> went, got a KP, got some KP stuff. You do eight days in the woods, eight days out. Uh-huh. So eight days out, but eight days when I was out of the woods, you know, with some cooking and work and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And then it was a very odd thing. A lot of different kids and that thing. People from Compton, Watts, Sacramento. A lot of gang gang bangers that didn't want to be gang bangers, and then a lot of meth heads. And then a couple of me, uh-huh. kids that were just trying to fix things. Hmm. And everybody was trying to fix things. It was right. a very interesting thing. It was up in four hours above San Francisco. So I was like, a little bit of racism up there, so it'd be very interesting to watch like Bull and Mo, who were some of the guys like talking about getting their guns. It's like, yo, man, we're not here for that kind of thing. So a lot of crazy stuff up there. A lot of meth heads getting back in the meth. There's a lot of meth up there. Mm. See a lot of crazy things. But I did that. So you have no room for judgmental anything right now. Because, I mean, listen to your background. Yeah, yeah. It is extremely diverse and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I grew up, even in the nine different schools I went to, it was a lot of different communities, you know? Yeah. I, went to, I went to schools that were 33% white, 33% Asian, 33% Mexican. I went to one school that had 20% Samoan kids, and one mm-hmm. school that was mostly black. Mm-hmm. I went to a lot of different things. My best friend as a kid, Inyo, was Mexican. My other best friend, Travel was black. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, another friend, Mike Gann, he was a... I grew up in a very multi-diverse situation, about a mile away from Disneyland. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I did that whole California conservation thing. Moved back. My girlfriend at home got raped. So I moved back. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's wild, man. So I moved back home. Um, we ended up splitting up because I took on two jobs. I was now ready to work. And one of the biggest problems I had when I was homeless is I was a lazy piece of shit. So I was trying to fix that. So then I uh, moved back. She 
that happened to her. I don't know really what happened to that guy. I don't think anything good happened to that man. And then I moved up to my parents' house. They kept me for six months, and then I was going to college, working two jobs, and I was back in out of college. They got mad at me. Stepmom found a soda can in my room. I was allowed to have soda. It was a full soda can. She threw it at my head, kicked me out. I lived on the lived from hotel to hotel. Of soda. Wait. There's a lot of things that happened, so I can't just blame it on. But that was the breaking straw. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I did back out of college. Uh, oh, I was okay. going to and a couple different things. But she found the soda can. She threw it at my head. Yeah. I backed out. I got moved, kicked out. Me and my best friend Inyok, who I re-found re in my life, we went from hotel to hotel till I finally got an apartment. I met the girl of my dreams at the time. Spent two years with her. Things were going better for me. It was really expensive live. I was working a lot. And then uh, she got in a PhD program here at UConn, and I moved out here. Spent five years with her out here, working from Starbucks and over in Manchester. Originally stores. I worked in Manchester, but lived in stores, then Mansfield, then Willimantic, and then Manchester. And then we split up, and then I moved out here, and I was going to save money to home because California is so expensive, especially Southern. Started, started working at Tassane as well as working at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with West End. Okay. Kind of from there on out, uh, after me and her split up, after from there on out, which she actually lived in the area for a while, we were actually friends. But uh, from there on out, I kind of just fell in love with this place and, and kind of stayed. Damn. Wow. So you look really good to be 72 years old. Yeah, right? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh, man. So that's a lot of the backstory. I mean, there's little tidbits in there, there's no little things. There's a lot of wild things that happen. In between there. So all together, how long have you been in, in the West End? Nine years in the West End, 14 in Connecticut. Okay. Wow. Something like that. Somewhere right around those those wavelengths. I was spent nine years at the same, which I love that place with all my heart. Yeah. So you, did you start the restaurant business when you were when you moved to Connecticut? So no, I when I came back from well KP school, which is a kitchen personnel school up in the California Okay, Corporation. all right. And cool. then I when I moved back, I worked at a Spoons, which is almost like a Chili's mm -hmm. in Southern California. Mm -hmm. And I worked at a breakfast spot called uh, Corner Cafe, that was a really cool breakfast spot. Which that place was awesome. But then the owner slipped and hit his head while doing blow with some of his coworkers and his head almost exploded so he like his brain and so he his wife had to take his wife had to take over and the business went down I'm not the laughing at you, dude. I'm not laughing yeah no that was a wild one so that's actually that was one of the reasons why I moved back is because that job fell apart oh my god I moved back to my holy shit Anna. yeah yeah man um yeah anyways wild source <laughs> And I thought we were here to have you tell us wild stories about the West End. I mean, just tell, well, me, tell, no, tell us about your life. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a long story. That's a, that's a long I, story. I thought man. about it. I thought about it. So am I going to tell all this? And I was, it's uh, an interesting story. It's yeah. an interesting yeah. story, man. No, I'm glad that you did. Yeah. Shout, shout out to all the people that supported you on, on the way. Though. Yeah, there's a lot of people. A lot yeah. of good people. A lot of good people. And in my homeless time, a lot of people took me in. So it wasn't even like direct, mainly homeless. You know? Right. A lot of friends. A lot of friends that probably were doing me doing me more harm by helping me instead of just letting me flounder, mm, right. you know, right. and letting me just hit rock bottom, you know, kind of thing, but, yeah. But then the West End has treated me so well. I mean, I've seen this place is a weird, interesting place in my time here. You've been, uh, you're a West Ender, for real yeah, now. You're, you're yeah. one of the staples around here. Yeah, man. So many, seeing so many people come and go from the colleges and people growing up and doing better things with their life. I actually don't have a lot of negative stories with people in this area. It seems like everybody seems when they 
and they leave, they grow. It was one of those things that someone told me when I first moved in the area, especially because I was really to same born and raised, mm-hmm. that when mm-hmm. people seem to move on, they always seem to do better, which is a good thing. I think that's a growth that means people grow in this area. I haven't seen a whole lot of that, or maybe I just haven't seen it, but let me think. Let me think of a few good stories here. You work at the same half door. I'm now half door, and I, that used to be my watering hole. That's where I used to go get drunk, but I decided, <laughs> I, you know, I was a GM. Over at Sane for two years. I was a bar manager for three or four before that, and started as the barista. I started as a barista there, so I moved my way up pretty heavily. I'm really proud of that. Um, we did some cool things over there, but I was I couldn't do 60, 70 hours anymore. And for the money I was making, when I make a lot, everybody be a bartender, don't be a manager, <laughs> <laughs> or be a server even. It literally made make way more money for a lot less hours. And I think being a manager is something for me later down in life. Uh, it's not as hard of work, it is more hours, it's not as hard of work, but I still got some goofing, some, some uh, not old enough, I'm not that old yet, where I gotta do that, make too, do too well, and especially at the half, the half is a great spot. Um, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a wonderful place I can go, and I got a great leader in Alex there. And we Shout got some, Alex, and, yeah, great guy. And then I got, my best friend works there now, Joe. Yeah, and Joe Burr, Chad and Talia are amazing. Herb's head chef, man, he's talented. Mm-hmm. Captain Seasoner over there, seasons everything. <laughs> seasons everything, what you don't expect at an Irish pub. Facts. Yeah. Walking Facts. Like, Damn, why is this spicy? I'm at an Irish pub right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. This jerk shepherd's pie, yeah. jerk shepherd's pie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely been a change though, man, because I do miss that Tassane. I miss that. I miss that diversity that Tassane had, man. Mm. What a, what a great place for community and a great place for people to go. Yep. You know, it's funny, it's so diverse that I, because of kicking people out in certain things, I've been called a racist, a homophobe, and an ageist because I gotta <laughs> kick them out. Like, all these things are so diverse that we got all that in there. You know? Yeah. I, know I know a couple of stories of the guys who kicked out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, it's them, should, them that should not be named. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's been some crazy things in there. I've seen, I think one of my favorite stories, a guy walked in one time on a megaphone and he was on a megaphone. And he always wore his glasses. He was been in before. So it'd be like 12 o'clock at night, all the lights down, he didn't have his glasses on. But he came in there during the day one time with a megaphone, screaming the megaphone, if everybody would just come at the same time, we'd have world peace. Now the guy ain't wrong. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my restaurant. <laughs> Was a megaphone? Oh, he had to be on. Yeah, and he had one of those mini megaphones, and he had to be on something. Oh. I think it was generally on something. He tried to fight me once or twice. Mm. I was pretty good. I was pretty good at diffusing. That was a good one. I, I definitely got called racist for kicking him out that one. I think one of my other favorites was I was literally talking to this gentleman. He hangs out at Plan B all the time. Really nice guy, mm. and he's just retired. And he's got to be in his like late, maybe his mid seventies, maybe his late sixties. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to him, and this other guy comes in who just literally spat on my doorman the night before. Comes in and like he's going to get a drink. And I'm like talking to this guy, and then I walk over. I'm like, okay, you got to go. And it's an older gentleman. He's like, you're ageist. I'm like, I'm literally talking to this older man right now. <laughs> <laughs> Please. It's just, it's just wild. There's, there's. So many funny stories oh in that. Oh my goodness. What was the wildest night that you were Actually, there's a couple of them, but Bridget's birthday was pretty wild. But I would have to say Josh Lara's going away party, mm-hmm. where he brought in so many people, and I think it was a karaoke night, and his family literally stood in the middle of the karaoke room, sat in the middle of the karaoke room, 
karaoke room where everybody had to sing karaoke around him, and the place was swamped. I think for, I think that was our sales record until Bridget's birthday. But Bridget's birthday, we were pretty ready for. I think when that one, we weren't. Wow. But I've seen some, I've seen some crazy, crazy nights there where you're flooded from the patio into inside. Yeah. And it's funny. It just takes the right theme or the right person to really put it together. Mm-hmm. I've seen that happen at the one of the first Fridays. Oh yeah, uh, where it literally yeah. spilled out into damn near the streets. First Friday was interesting, and First Friday brought great business. One of the problems we, we used to pre-pour waters. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were on drugs; they just wanted water. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're there for that house because they're on the ecstasy. Yeah. They're, you know, they're not really drinking. I had one guy walk up to me; he's like, "He saw guava juice by me. He's like, can I get that guava juice?'" Like, it was in a cocktail. And I did give it to him, but I was yeah. just like, at first, I was like, "What are you?" That night was a wild night. That night it definitely had its moments. I actually didn't work a lot of them. I was the Saturday night bartender. I managed a lot of them. That's a whole different thing. And I do miss Sobe and Legacy heavily. Oh yeah, yeah. those were those were those were my dudes. Those were my favorite DJs there when back in my heyday. Legacy is such a premier talent, and Sobe, what he did for the community with those nights. Oh, yeah. That's wild, man. It, it, you know, I got to throw some you got to throw some love his way. Yep. He, he threw money out of his own pocket to make that happen. Mm. He's saying in Locals Ake wouldn't pay to make it happen. So this really? guy, yeah, when he would bring in some of those premier DJs, like when he brought in Rob Swift. I think oh, I, mean, I was there that night. Yeah, I mean, it happened twice. Um, yeah. He brought in Rob Swift one time, and then he brought in the Executioners another time, I believe. But when they came in, I think they charged 1400 plus hotel, plus airfare. And we gave him, I think, six. Mm. Guy, Holy shit. This guy was literally doing it because he just had a love and a passion, and this is how he wanted to finish out his career. Wow. You know? Damn. Supremely in love with this craft. And what a what an um, and what an amazing talent he was too. And he just really wanted to work with the best. Mm-hmm. And there were so many great DJs we brought in and out. Yeah. You get to see so many people be able to talk about him. He's a great guy. So you're at the half door now. Yeah. 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 What's, um, the, what's the difference? What's the, what's the big difference that you can? I mean, since I went in there, some of the staff has changed, and uh, I do miss some of those guys since I haven't been going there forever. Some of the staff has changed, mm-hmm. but uh, I think the one thing that we really we're trying to we're really trying to work on the same great beer, bringing back classic yeah. foods, and, okay, okay, and, and uh, new cocktail program. So I think that was it. I wanted, for me, especially coming from a cocktail bar, what I really wanted is I, it's not that so much that I want to sell all the cocktails. Mm-hmm. It's great to sell cocktails. Don't get me wrong. It's not that I wanted to give up on beer and go to cocktail. That's not. I wanted it to be a beer bar. But I didn't want to lose those customers that wanted a cocktail. It's not that they didn't have cocktails that were good. It's just they weren't really going for it. Mm-hmm. They really just needed to go for it a little, throw a little flair on top of it, and make it a little Instagram worthy so people knew you know you can go here and have a cocktail. And then Herb and then did such a fantastic job with the food man. Bringing in the lamb stew. Oh yeah. Yeah, that lamb stew is just awesome. And bringing in some. Some really cool Irish classics, and um, and the cool thing is that uh, the company's taking a different direction with a, with a new leader that's in place. And they're wanting us to change it every once in a while, so we're actually working on a summer menu right now mm. for both of them. Awesome. Which mm. um, right now mezcal is probably what I see that sells a lot. Mezcal's huge. I've there's a lot. There's a lot of things that we can work with now. I'm really hoping to see rum take off. Rum is probably my favorite. Um, What's well, easy going? It's, it's, it's made not, made from sugar, and you, a lot of times you use sugar in the cocktail. It just right. makes a lot of sense. A daiquiri, a daiquiri is just such a classic cocktail. It really blends well together. It just makes a lot of sense in my mind. But that's, 
I don't drink a lot of cocktails these days. I think there's a word I could have for I drink a lot of gas. <laughs> but, uh, Guinness and James. Car bottles. But yeah, you, guys, yeah. you guys are going to be bringing in, I think you've already started bringing in guest bartenders on Monday nights, is it? Yeah, so we've done four weeks. Oh, man, it's been such a success. Um, we brought in Ben, and they played music and, and also bartending. They played music and bartending. And then, uh, and then we brought in Andrew, uh, and he uh, brought in an office theme. He made all these crazy office cocktails. Like, they had these cocktails in the show and he somehow made them. He made an old-fashioned Splenda, a Scotch old-fashioned Splenda. <laughs> and, it is, and it's just like, how did you do that? And then what he did is he took, he took the, he took a brown sugar Splenda simple syrup and he added orange peel to it and it really tickled for some reason, which I wouldn't understand because I'm not that talented for whatever reason. I didn't know it, but orange peel took away from the Splenda. Hmm. It really took away that aspartame and it was wild. Well, you do create cocktails. Oh, no, I'm not saying I'm not. I'm just saying that some of these bartenders, I, the best part is I have my skills and I have my talent with it. But the best part is working with these bartenders, and this is what I keep telling them, is that I get to learn so much from them, and I get to experience so much. And then the second best is the donations. So then we had Dan, Mc, Dan McManuson. Shout out, Dan donated every single one of his dollars to charity. And then we brought in, um, last week, Colm, uh, Colm from Agave. Great kid, did a great job, brought in people. Donated, we donate 20% every time. So for Dan, we are up to a thousand dollars in four weeks donating charity. Wow! We keep this going. We're gonna donate ten thousand dollars in a year. Wow! That's amazing. That's awesome. And every time they get to pick their own charity, so we're making sure that we are hitting a lot of different spots and hitting a lot of different charities. Uh, I definitely have my favorites. I, I don't make that decision. I want them to donate where they want to go. It's right. their event. It's their takeover. And I had so much fun to see these people have such a good time. Um, we got Heather Garvey coming in this week, just doing the 80s. I'm such an 80s guy, because you have to know something. 80s cocktails suck, and she's putting on a fun <laughs> She's putting on a fun Why do they suck? Peach snops, blue carousel. Yeah, you're right. Never mind. And it was also just the age for mass production. So I went on, and I always tried to have a snack for late night after the kitchen closes. I was like, okay, let me look up cuisine for the 80s. Man, they had hungry man dinners. Da, 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 da. So I, deci I decided we're doing pizza rolls. Ooh. I'm going to deep fry some pizza rolls and we're going to have some dipping sauces. Oh, there nice. we go. And I also do all the cooking at, at night, so I have to make sure it's something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Last week I did Irish popcorn, so I seasoned Irish popcorn. The week before that we did, it was office themed, so we did Kevin's chili. Mm. I had chili ready to go and doing some fun things that way. So. Nice. Uh, I'm yeah. going to do a quick word association, three or four words. Uh, I'm going to start with the spigot. Spigot. Uh -huh. Three or four words. An ex-girlfriend of mine, first word, Jenna. I used to come here all the time with her. Darts, beer, shots, Talia. Boom. Fernet. Handshake. I'll just get, explain that one. Handshake. Not my cup of tea, but I drink it. Car bombs. Half door, friendship, blackout. All right, Eric, thanks so much for joining us today. We we know that you have a time limit here. We're gonna jump into our last three questions. Yeah, cool. uh, We ask the same three questions on every episode. I don't know if you've uh, listened, but they're always the same. So we'll start off with question number one. What is your favorite thing about Hartford? I have to put two together. Yeah. Community and diversity. 
We hear that from everyone, and we never get tired of yep. it. That is Love our it. favorite answer to that question. Yeah, it's it's really nice. I was actually explaining this to people the other day. I think the community and diversity, I think my favorite part about it is the food. Mm-hmm. Ooh, yeah. So I've been in Southern California, I have really great food, but it's opposite. Mm-hmm. Out here, Indian food, Jamaican food, mm-hmm. different kinds of Latin food, Italian food, pizza. Uh, so, so much great cuisine. Mm-hmm. Um, so flavorful, a lot yeah. of it. Yeah. So, uh, that's one big one for me. All right, if you were mayor for the day, you could only change one thing. What would you change about Arthur? Oh, that's tough. Because it's so perfect or because there's so much you would change? I think there's a lot of things I've changed about a lot of places, so I don't think that's really, I don't even think it's necessarily hard for me. I think if I could change anything, if I were doing my guest bartender nights and what I would donate for and what I would work for is our education system. Always making our education system better, mm-hmm. helping kids get a better education system and a better chance and a fighting chance at having a real, real world readiness. Mm-hmm. Hidden gems in Hartford. Things that oh. don't get enough attention. Oh yeah, um, date night, Trinity Restaurant is. Where is this what? at? Yeah, it's, I don't it's right across the street. It's on. It's on Zion. Okay. Oh, okay. And it's this little family. I forgot what what ethnicity they are exactly. They're not Italian, but they're Italian food. So stupid. <laughs> and it's, it's bring your own booze. Another thing. So bring a nice bottle okay. of wine. Yeah. I brought, I brought so. in. I brought in. Bottles of whiskey we've been for. Damn. Um, it is a hell of a date night. The food there is amazing, and generally it's pretty empty. Mm. So you get to kind of spot to yourself. And they're really sweet. Yeah. Now um, that is the epitome of a hidden gem right there. Right. Yeah. But there's so many, man. I love this. I love this area so much. Uh, Monte Alban. Woo! Me, as someone who loves Mexican food, mm-hmm. they're authentic. They're missing spice, but if you ask for the hot sauce, you'll get it. They make their own hot sauce in house, and it just adds exactly what I need. And I think they're making sure to take care of the East Coasters that are not used to that. Bingo! <laughs> um, yeah, fire. Yeah, this guy over here. Yeah, I can't yeah. do spice. Before. Yeah. So that, that they they make sure of that, and then if you ask for the hot sauce, fire and spice. Oh yes. Go down a laundry list. There there are so many places. I forgot the name of the grocery store, but there's a grocery store that has four different Latin restaurants in it. And I am blanking right now. I wish I really knew. Someone next someone on the next episode's get that for me. Okay. Um, yeah, it literally has I think it has Dominican, Puerto Rican, Colombian, and Mexican. It's great. Another American tasty Mexican, I think is what it's called. It's mm. a food truck. Mm-hmm. Dude, they were doing like burrito ramen. They were doing some crazy food. As you can see, I really go to Latin a lot. Ichiban, great Korean food. So you think you go in there and you're like, oh, I'm gonna get sushi. Get the Korean food. <laughs> they kill that Korean food. Man, there's so many spots. Uh, bon Me, I can go. I, I eat out too freaking much and I drink too much out and about. But there, there's so many hidden gems. Oh, a new one, the new Toro Mexican street food over by the Whole Foods. Yo, man, I yeah. love all those Toro locations. That one is banging. Yeah, it's it is. Uh, I would describe it as very authentic, but with American portions on protein. Mm-hmm. So, Ooh. so I went in there and ordered four tacos, and I was like, oh, no. That is really it's good like, advice. It's like two slices of pizza from Angelina's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're yeah. going to die. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I go on about pizza. There's so many good pizza around here, but obviously, if you want to go pizza, go New Haven. If yeah. you're going to really do it, you know. And then, yeah, there's just so many places, man. I keep 
I could probably think of a hundred more if I kept going. I try and go out there. But again, date night, Trinity Restaurant. I really recommend it. I don't even. Have, these guys, when they see me, they love me, but they don't know me. This isn't me doing a plug for them. This isn't that. It's just really that good. Right. All right. And every time I bring a girl, it's it's talked about. I've had those girls take other first dates back there or other dates back there. Nice. Like, yo, why are you still in my spot? Thank God I never run into it. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes. Why don't you go ahead and promote yourself real quick before you leave? Where can our listeners find you? Well, you can, tonight you can find me at Tassane doing a guest if I've been there in five months. But generally you'll find me at the Half Door. Um, I'm there Mondays for my guest bartender night. I really recommend coming out for that night. We donate 20% of our tips every time. So not only that, when you're buying your drinks and you're giving me money, you're really giving it to charity. And then uh, Tuesday night trivia. And then I do Friday nights there, which we always have live music. And then I do Sunday brunch, bottomless mimosas, people. Bottomless. <laughs> and you can also get no bottomless bottoms. Bloody Marys, and you can go back and Ooh. forth. I do not make you choose. You can go back and forth. <laughs> you live your life. And we got a food item on there called the McSisson. It is a McGriddle. You make a McGriddle, so you can catch me there. And I'm also about to start working on Jamie Arnold's food truck, which we need to get up and moving. That's Wise Out Culinary. You catch me cooking on there every once in a while. Um, we're hopefully getting that new food truck spot, and that. So we do a brunch. Um, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we're known for our BLTs. Nice. All I, right. I love cooking. It just doesn't pay enough, so I like to do it for a side gig. Hear that. Okay. What's up, man? All we right. Eric, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Heartbeat with your hosts, Cam and D-Rock. The guys hope you enjoyed today's interviews with August. Clarissa, Jason, and Eric. Join them next week for Rob Peters and Jackie McKinney from the Asylum Hill Neighborhood Association. They'll be joining the guys to promote Domingo Hartford, which is a new initiative to promote walkability within Hartford's communities. As always, you can head over to theheartbeatct.com to sign up for the email list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you're listening to this. It goes a long way towards helping people discover the Heartbeat Podcast. Thanks to the Spigot Cafe for hosting, to August, Clarissa, Jason, and Eric for coming on, and to Job and Carlo for writing the theme music. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next week on The Heartbeat. Flam, flam, flam. Flam, 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 flam. Oh my God, you're reading this part out loud, aren't you? You stupid son of a...